my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Welcome, everybody, to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast, brought to you by Beach Commute. Today, you've only got one beach commuter here, Jeff. Lucky you guys. You're just going solo with me today. And you probably clicked on the link because you saw why the hell would anybody hate Italy? Seems ridiculous, like, right? Why I hate Italy. It's, it's one of those places that, especially for people that haven't been there, like you imagine, where do I want to travel? Like, what's the best places in the world? And you've got these fantasies of it's always Hawaii, right? And like Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and Italy, because you think of, oh my God, the food, the sights, the people. It's just like a, it's a classic bucket list item. And everybody, Everybody always wants to go. So I'm dropping a big controversial bomb on you guys. I'm saying I did not like Italy, right? I don't want to listen. Any any Italians out there? You got plenty of native Italians that are going to listen to this and absolutely hate it. Look, disclaimer is my experience was unique. I stayed in one city and it just didn't work out for me. All right. So that's just put that aside, put that in your back pocket and shut up for the rest of the episode because this one is all mine. All right, I'm going to tell you about my experience in Italy as a digital nomad. Okay, let's begin. We've got categories, all right? I'm going to talk about these categories. One, working. What was the working like? Two, food situation. Huge category for Italy. Got to talk food. I'm going to include wine on that. I'm going to include beer on that. Um, some people might argue beer. Don't give a shit. I'm talking about beer. Uh, I'm going to talk about three trips, like weekend trip types of stuff. What else was there? Is there another maybe that was? Oh, sites. Yeah, let's talk about sites. So we're going to talk about working. We're going to talk about food. We're going to talk about sites. We're going to talk about weekend trips. And we'll mix in a little bit about like the culture of the people kind of stuff. Okay, first gripe. And honestly, it might be the only damned gripe is working. And I will completely judge a place based on how well I can work there. Because when I'm traveling, I'm not on vacation. I, I go on vacation like very, very seldomly. You, if you heard the, the the Prague episode that we had earlier, um, that was a vacation and it's usually only for a week. So in my world, when I'm traveling somewhere, I'm working. And if I can't work there, it is goddamned awful and so stressful. That was the case in Florence, Italy. All right, so let me paint you a picture of what you're looking at in Florence. So Florence is very, very old. It was built in 800 AD. I have no idea when it was built. I don't know. Um, it was built a long time ago. And you're dealing with very, very old infrastructure, right? So your internet, your wired internet that you get in your house with Wi-Fi, right? So Comcast comes to your door, ATT comes to your door. They set up internet. All right. The equivalent of in Italy is very, very poor, at least in Florence, because the infrastructure is just not laid. I mean, the, the city's really, really old and it's hard for them to to get out there and actually physically lay all the cables because the streets are like one lane and you have to stop the entire lane for hours to do all this stuff. So like technically it's really, really tough. So usually I've got lines and lines of protection to back me up here. First, I will find an Airbnb that has awesome internet. 
All right, so that's like first line of defense. Second one, I got my MiFi device. I got it loaded up, ready to go. I'm going to use cell data so that I can use that anytime in a pinch. Third thing, I'm going to research co-working spots so I can walk. I can work there. I can walk there, work there, do whatever I need to do. Have all my meetings. Uh, very last thing is cafes. Worst case scenario, you got to go work from a cafe. Um, if you're taking a lot of calls online, like, like I am video calls, not so great. You got to find kind of the perfect one. Um, if you're like a tech developer, you require low internet, no big deal. You can probably swing it at a cafe. You can probably even swing it at Airbnb with, with uh, bad internet. So I got four lines of defenses. All right. So let's crank through these things. First one, like I said, the infrastructure is really, really old and they don't have good internet. They have good download speeds, but they don't have good upload speeds, right? So you're great for watching Netflix. You're great for streaming video, but hosting calls, people can't see a damned thing. So internet was out. We asked them to upgrade the internet and we just got the ringer, the runaround for about three weeks. Oh, they're coming. Oh, they're missing a part. Oh, uh, you can't get anything. It was, it was like in that order. They're, they're coming to deliver better internet and then they're missing a part and then they're not coming at all. And so four weeks in, we're like, shit. All right. After all of that, we end up with absolutely no internet. All right. So that was option number one out the window. We've sent messages to a lot of other Airbnb hosts in the area. Same exact story. It's just all bad upload speeds. So no internet. Backup number two. All right. Cell data. If you don't have a MiFi device and you're a digital nomad, go out and freaking get one, all right? It works off cell data. It's LTE, 4G in most major areas and cities. And you're going to be able to do 30 down, 5 to 10 up, but enough to take a call, enough to do just about anything. So um, we want to do cell data. Okay, turns out, here's the problem. Florence has like a meter and a half thick walls all around. Every damned wall is a freaking bunker. I mean, you are nuclear proof in Florence. If you dropped a bomb on your apartment, you wouldn't even hear it, right? And that means cell signal does not go through the walls at all. So MiFi devices, absolutely shot. And as a matter of fact, your phone won't work either. Like you just will not get reception. So our solution was to do the most digital nomad thing ever. The most MacGyver thing ever we could possibly think of was we took a MiFi device and we built this very, very long stick with a rope and a carabiner attached to a little basket. And we stuck the MiFi device in the basket, stuck the stick out the window, and then extended the or carabinered the um, basket all the way to the top. And then we angled it so that the MiFi device was above the roof line. And we just like angled it in the wall so it wouldn't move anywhere. So basically, we shoved a MiFi device onto the roof. It was, it was everything short of just hucking it out the window onto the roof and making it land there and then like going and finding it later. So we were able to get somewhat manageable calls through this horrible system. It was incredibly digital nomad and actually pretty impressive. Uh, shout out to Nikki. Great work on that one. So that plan, not so great. Third plan, finding co-working spaces. Co-working spaces usually pretty awesome. You've got meeting rooms that you can go in. Um, the one thing that they always get right is you've got good download and upload speeds. So your internet is freaking solid. Um, fortunately, there are co-working spaces in Florence, 
but most of them are like unwalkable. They're at least a few kilometers away um, and they only allowed monthly plans. So I was looking at like 300 euros for what was remaining of like maybe two and a half, three weeks, something like that. I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that. That seems a little bit ridiculous. I'm going to have to commute in every day. I have to pay 300 euros for just a couple of weeks. So I was like, all right, that's probably out for me. Um, last one was cafes. All right. So you always want to try to find a good cafe wherever you're going. Uh, it's got to be somewhat quiet. The internet's going to be halfway decent and they got to let you work there. You know, a lot of cafes are just, no, they don't, they don't want digital nomads because we're just sucking energy out of the walls and paying for one coffee every four hours. Probably the downside of, of digital nomadism. So found one cafe that fits the bill. A lot of Florence is just like, you go to a cafe, you get your espresso shot, you hit the door. That's it. Hit the door running, fuel up and rock and roll. Uh, there was one cafe that we could find that was like kind of a, a co-working, is almost a quasi co-working space, but you don't have to work, pay for it as a co-working space. The catch is between the hours of like two and six, the internet will just collapse on you. So you'll be in the middle of a call and it's just <laughs> absolutely nothing dead airspace. And then you've got a pissed off CEO and you look like a jerk. So I had a solution of going to their other cafe across town, which was a about three kilometer walk every day. So I commuted in about three kilometers to go to this other cafe during off hours. And I would reserve tables. You, you have to reserve tables or else they'll kick you out of your seat in the middle of a freaking call. So I would call in, reserve a table, and sometimes they just say, we don't reserve tables. And then I get there and somebody kicks me out with a reserve table. I'm like, what in the hell is going on here? It's like, they'll just reverse their policy on the spot. So it was just kind of a toss up every day, whether or not I'd get a reserved spot and a toss up every day and whether or not I'd get like this gaggle of people next to me, just screaming and yelling about who knows what and interfering with my calls. So four points. Usually I've got four solutions to back me up to get my work done, none of them worked. And there's been no place on earth that I've traveled where I couldn't figure out how to take my calls. I've worked in remote Bolivia with Diego at his, actually at his folks' house, the first Wi-Fi tribe apartment, way the hell out of, in the middle of nowhere. There's mountains all around. There's like arroyos. It's, you would not expect the internet to work. He got it to work there. I couldn't get it to work in a first world country in a major city. All right, so- that completely colored my experience, obviously, in a pretty negative way. I was, I was pretty upset, and I'll judge a city a lot based on like how well I can actually work there. One star out of 10, at best. Okay, so that's, that's working. That's going to be the worst. We're going to go only up from there, all right? So we're jumping into food. This is going to be an easy win for Italy. Stars out of 10, I'm going to give it nine stars out of 10, easily. I'm going to tell you about some of the stories, too. So um, when you go and eat at in Italy, um, just go to any restaurant, basically. I mean, it's going to be, it's all going to be good food. That's kind of like the rule of thumb. It's like, you're going to have good food. It's going to be handmade pasta wherever you go. It's just a matter of like, how amazing is it going to be? And as a matter of fact, one of our, um, one of our travel buddies is, has like a severe gluten intolerance. They were able to accommodate that in Italy. Actually, some of the best, it wasn't focaccia bread. What the hell was it? It was something similar to focaccia bread. It was like really, really crunchy and salty bread. Um, just like fatty, crunchy, salty bread. It was freaking gluten-free and it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. Some of the best food I had there was gluten-free. So if you're a gluten-fry, uh, you can, you can get by in Italy. Some of the food that I ate there, let's keep talking food, man. I mean, could talk food all day long. 
that's another good way to judge a city. How good is the food? Um, Florentine steaks. Let's talk about that a little bit. So a Florentine steak is like a ribeye cut and it's thick as hell. It's like four fingers thick. I don't know how fat your guys' fingers are. I've got pretty fat fingers. It's like a four finger cut steak and they just they kind of just sear it so you just get that really crunchy outside layer and it's pretty raw on the inside so i mean it's for like you know pretty dedicated pretty dedicated uh steak eaters it's it's, it's not your everyday casual steak eater that's going to be eating this kind of stuff you gotta like really be into it but that was fantastic i got one that was like a kilo and a half for you americans that's like a lot of meat us me americans as well sorry um it's that just translates to a, a shitload of meat for i think 110 euros 120 euros which is about 140 usd insane amount of money for a steak but it's like once in a lifetime you gotta do it it was absolutely fantastic drinks all right aperol spritz is the drink i mean everywhere with spain and italy even like romania uh, to some degree, Aperol Spritz is the jam. That's what everybody gets. As a matter of fact, we found a really cool spot that does, uh, we call it a walk-in spritz. You can walk up and they give you all these different types of Aperol Spritzes to select from. Like one was blueberry, one was lingonberry, or I don't know my berries. It was some bloob. I don't know. Um, but they give you a walk-in Aperol Spritz. You can take it out the door. You walk down the street and everybody's chatting outside. Absolutely phenomenal. Charcuteries. I don't know. Who on this podcast is into charcuteries? I don't think I was until I went to Spain and Italy. Didn't really get an appreciation for it. Oh my God. All right. So a charcuterie is uh, like select cuts of dried cured meats and sometimes some cheeses and some breads to go with it. But I mean, really the focus of the plate are the dried meats. And in Italy, it is absolutely fantastic. You are getting salamis, prosciutto, or if you're from Jersey, prosciutto, because you don't know how to pronounce Italian words. And what else was there? It's like different jamon serranos, all that kind of stuff. And they bring it out on a plate and you drink wine with it. And it's absolutely fantastic. Um, as a matter of fact, we just got a whole, but we just bought a bunch of it. We just bought a bunch of charcuterie stuff, some bread, some wine, went to the park, got ripping drunk, <laughs> had a blast, played some hacky sack, like a bunch of nerds, and then walked back into town and we found an amazing beer bar. I'm going to have to, I might have to dig up the link to it. For anybody that wants to go to Florence, amazing beer bar that also brought us more charcuterie. I, I swear, I think I lived on coffee, charcuterie, and beer my entire time in Italy. So food, 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10, something like that. All right, so we've kind of balanced out the, the horrible work situation. We got a, a, a 1, barely a 1, a, a pretty generous 1, and then we've got a 9 or a 10 in food. Okay, cool. Um, let's talk about stuff to do. Is there stuff to do in Florence? Yeah, there's uh, quite a bit of cool stuff to do. First thing that comes to mind, I'd say the first thing that comes to mind is usually the most important thing because it's what sticks out. And the first thing that comes to mind is the Boboli Gardens. And uh, the Boboli Gardens are this huge park. It's like this um, this fully manicured park on the side of Florence is just kind of right near the neighborhoods and you have to pay to get in. You have to pay to get in because it's like, it's actually a private park and they've got a lot of private as opposed to public parks there. And it is um, landscaped to within an inch of its life. It's absolutely gorgeous. There's ponds everywhere. There's like these beautifully set up 
tunnels with those, I, I call them Italian, I call them the Tuscany trees. They're like these really thin pine trees or spruce trees or something like that. Okay. I don't know berries and I don't know trees. We've established that so far. Berries and trees are out for me. Sorry, everybody. Um, anyways, incredibly manicured, beautiful place to go. Um, definitely recommend it. It's like 10 euros. Just fork it over. Just freaking do it. Um, what else is there to do? The Ponte Vecchio bridge is probably what you've seen in pictures. It like connects one end of Florence to another one. It's a footbridge. Occasionally a car goes over it and it's everybody goes, what the hell are you doing here? It's kind of odd, but it's a footbridge and they've, <laughs> it's kind of funny. If you see it from the side, it's a bunch of what looks like shacks that were bolted on afterwards, literally to the side of the bridge. And it's like hanging over the water. And each one of these shacks are jewelry shops. I think like maybe 90% of the shops along this bridge on either left and right hand side are jewelry shops and uh, actually uh, a few leather shops too. They're, they're kind of known there for their jewelry and their leather and in particular, just fashion. I mean, oh my God, if you want to feel insecure about yourself, just go out in your houseware in Italy because my God, they are on top of it. They look fantastic. The women are absolutely uh, dressed to the nines. The men are dapper as hell in the most recent of fashions. And here I am just sporting a damn flannel and a beanie looking like a total schlep. So if you go to Florence, step up your game because people are going to look fresh. Um, anyways, walk along the bridge. You're going to see a lot of fresh looking people. Um, you're going to see a lot of jewelry shops and then going into the old side of town. Um, you're going to see some, uh, what you'd expect, some very beautiful churches, enormous, um, <laughs> like you would think in Italy, like a, a big, enormous church. You're going to see a lot of uh, restaurants all over the place, coffee shops, all that kind of stuff. Just walking it um, is great. And just walk it up and down the streets. There's plenty to see. Okay. So what else have we got here? Uh, things to see. We've got the Baboli Gardens. Um, we've got the the canal, which is actually, no, it's, it's more like a, a river. The Ponte Vecchio. Um, all awesome spots. I guess that kind of naturally segues into like stuff to do on the weekends, which I would say kind of saved it. Uh, oh, okay. Sorry. Let me, let me, let me, let me back up. All right. I'm, I'm jumping around that category. What am I going to give it? Things to do. I'm going to give it a six to seven out of 10, six to seven out of 10. Also a big bonus for one of the bars that we went to. What was the name of it? I'll send it out in the show notes. It is a, it's like a live concert bar. And I am not into live music at all. And this place was awesome. These guys were, it was packed full. They were rocking uh, 80s, 90s, 2000 hits. They busted out Bittersweet Symphony. All right. If you need to know nothing else, just know that 50 people singing Bittersweet Symphony at the top of their lungs, that's the best it gets, all right? Shoot me now. Don't care what happens the rest of the night. I got to sing Bittersweet Symphony, and I was freaking stoked over it. That's that bar. Amazing. Okay, so things to do. Bar, I'm going to say bars, nightlife, um, stuff to do, walking around the city. Not bad. Not bad. Um, I'd say, like, for tourism types of stuff, um, a lot of walking tours, um, a lot of Vespa tours, that kind of thing. I wouldn't say that there's an overwhelming amount of things to see. I think you could probably do a lot of the stuff that you want to do in about a week or so. Six out of 10. Next category, things to do on the weekends. 
I'm just going to walk you through some of the things that we did on the weekends because I think they're pretty awesome. First one, we went on a Vespa tour. Um, who doesn't want to go on a Vespa tour through Tuscany, right? So it's like you rent a Vespa and just start cruising around the hillsides, going through the Italy trees, the Tuscany trees. Um, we got these Vespas and we rode them to a wine tasting. And uh, it was actually at a winery owned by some Italian person. And it was uh, it was incredible. So we drank wine, learned about the winemaking process, specifically Chianti, which is pretty impressive for me because I don't know the first thing about wine. I'm more of a beer guy. Um, so Vespas to the winery and then Vespas like all around the countryside. Absolutely gorgeous. The hills outside Florence, like you leave Florence, very, very busy. And then immediately you're in beautiful hillside, trees um, and everything. It's just absolutely gorgeous. So that was uh, that was one weekend. And the next weekend, we rented an Airbnb out in the hillside. It's probably, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour away. Um, and it was just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It was on this very large, um, it's kind of a mansion. I guess you, yeah, you call it a mansion. It was like on a, it was like a small, smaller house on a mansion overlooking this beautiful countryside. Um, and I'm, and when I'm say beautiful, I mean, absolutely freaking gorgeous. It kind of reminds me of Northern California, but just a little bit better. And we cooked for ourselves again. We did steaks Florentine. I cooked them this time, um, cooked a bunch of sides with it. Absolutely fun. Drank way, way too much. Played a bunch of ping pong outside. Um, just had a ball. Really, really good time. You can go out there and on your own with your friends and just make a time of it. And it's awesome. What else did we do? Um, we went to other things to do. There is a like eighth generation butcher that lives out in Tuscany, has his shop out in Tuscany. And he is known for being able to use parts of uh, the animal that other butchers can't do. Okay, so like very, very difficult cuts of meat to get right. So we went there and he did a tasting. I think it was like an eight course tasting, something like that. It, probably eight courses, yeah. And all just different cuts of beef. And a lot of it was like, beef tartars and snout and things like that. Sorry to all the vegans on here. Um, disclaimer, I eat meat and this is part of the program. It's a big part of Italy. Sorry. Um, anyways, back into the show. So this guy is um, bringing us all these types of like raw beef and it was absolutely melt in your mouth. Incredible. Throw a little bit of salt on there and just go to town. Way more than we could handle. We just had like armfuls of meat that we brought with us back to our other villa that we had for the weekend. So uh, that's a huge hit, total fun. Um, I'll have to send it out in the show notes. I'll find the name of the place uh, so you can look it up. Um, the guy comes out looking exactly like you imagine. This big, huge chef knows absolutely no English, has this ear-to-ear smile, this giant uh, push broom mustache, looks like Sam Elliott. Absolutely incredible. Everything that you would expect out of that experience. Everything that you would want out of that experience. Amazing. Okay, so things to do. I think that pretty much wraps up everything that we did. Um, you know, I think at one point we rented another villa. We did, we did, we rented another villa and we actually had a, uh, a pasta making class in the villa. So we went into her space, the host, and she showed us how to make, uh, a ragu. And it was, it was amazing. We made our own pasta, made our own ragu, um, cooked the whole thing up and brought it back to, our little Airbnb area and 
just went to town on it. And it was um, really, really nice. It was fun to learn how to make pasta, a little bit easier than I expected. And came out, um, that stuff that you get out of boxes and bags, that is really not pasta. Until you have your own like homemade pasta, it's on a completely different level. So uh, things to do on the weekends. Yeah, solid, solid seven. Solid seven. Maybe even an eight. Yeah, you know what? Florence, I'm giving you an eight. Tuscany, giving you an eight. Um, so last thing <laughs> on the tour guide that we had uh, on the tour that we had on the Vespa tours, this guy was telling me we're joking about the uh, Florence and about how it's uh, the infrastructure is really old and it's really tough to do anything new. That's why you can't get good internet there. All that stuff. He said he's on a Zoom call and his. Um, his coworkers were laughing at his sofa in his background. It's like this ancient sofa, sofa, just like rust colored, oxidized, ripped, terrible looking. And they're giving him hell for it. And he's like, dude, that is the sofa that came with the apartment. And they're like, yeah, why don't you just, that happens all the time. Why don't you just get rid of it? He says, well, no, no, no. That's what you get. It's like built into, it's like built into the plan there. Like you don't get anything else because the streets are so narrow and the doorways are so narrow, you have to actually, if you want to get furniture delivered, you have to shut down the street to get it into your house. So that means you're paying to have a street shut down. And sometimes you actually have to like airlift and crane the sofas and the and the, um, uh, the furniture through the freaking window in order to get it into your house. So whatever you get when you rent a place, that's what you get. You're getting that and you're not upgrading. Unless you're really lucky and you live on a on an area where you can easily get things in and out. I thought that was kind of a funny story. So, um, all right, let's wrap up Italy. Italy. Would I go there again? Yes, I would go there again. And I would not work at all. Right? So if I'm designing a perfect trip for you, and let's just talk about Florence because that's that's all I know. If I'm designing the perfect trip for you to go to Florence... I'm going to say, take the week off. Don't try to work there, especially if you have to take video phone calls. Don't even do it. You're just going to hate it. Don't do that. Book a week. Um, If you can, stay close to the river because the view is absolutely gorgeous. Um, I'll I'll have to write up a show notes at some point and share some pictures of it. Absolutely beautiful. If you can, it's going to be a little bit more expensive. Stay close to there. Um, Get charcuterie wherever you go. Absolutely. Uh, It's going to be good no matter where you go. Get a steak Florentine, right? So we've got like one night, just get a bunch of charcuterie. The next night, get a steak Florentine. Uh, The night after that, there is an amazing beer bar. I'm going to find the link to it. If you're into beer, you're going to find the best beers you can find in Florence, which is a little bit of a struggle um, at this one beer bar. So I'll get you a link to that. Um, Make some pasta because it is incredibly good. It's going to blow you away. Um, And it's surprisingly easy to do. Make some pasta. And uh, go out to the hillsides. Absolutely. Like once you walk around Florence, which you can do in a day or two, you know, you do the Baboli Gardens, like I mentioned, and you just kind of walk around town. You'll, you're good. You've, you've got it done one, two, three days. You've, you've pretty much seen all the things you need to see. Go outside into the Tuscany hillsides because that's where it's at. It's absolutely beautiful. And you've got all this space to yourself. You can get a villa out there on Airbnb. It's not too expensive, especially if you're bringing somebody with you or a group of friends with you. 
get a villa, go out there, rent a car, also pretty affordable. The hillsides are just going to blow your mind. Other than that, um, yeah, one week in and out, enjoy it. Eat from one end to another, maybe fast a little bit before you get there because you're going to eat everything in sight. And as you should, the food is absolutely incredible. So, all right, go on vacation to Florence. Don't work in Florence. <laughs> that's that's pretty much the gist of what we're getting to here. Uh, and if you have any questions about my experience there, if you want to try to figure out how to work there, send me a note. I'll try to help you the best I can. I mean, I've got a list of all of the cafes that you could theoretically work from. I've got a list of all of the co-working spaces that you could you know, drop a month-long membership and work from. Try to help you out the best I can. But other than that, yeah, I recommend uh, throw a week at it. Cool. So we'll do some more of these specific location-based podcasts if you guys want, if you find it useful. I just thought it would be kind of fun to uh, to rant about my experience in Italy because it was, contradicts a lot of uh, what people say about it, in particular for uh, for working. Um, other than that, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for joining the Digital Nomad Experts brought to you by Beach Commute. I'm Jeff and I'm out. Mm-hmm.